What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. It's playoff time, and we have the privilege of talking about not one, but two Big Ten teams in the playoff. That is, of course, Michigan and Ohio State. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Share the podcast with your friends, with those that you think would love it, that would love college football, that love the Big Ten. Leave a review, share on social media, send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to start with Michigan and TCU, and then we'll have a quick break, and then we'll go into Georgia hosting Ohio State. Uh, it feels like Georgia's hosting Ohio State. The game's in Atlanta, which is uh, about an hour away from the campus of UGA. But we'll talk about TCU and Michigan in the VRBO Fiesta Bowl. It's a 4 p.m. kick on New Year's Eve. And it's on ESPN. Michigan, seven and a half point favorite. It's interesting. Both playoff games, the, the lines really haven't moved much. Uh, it's it's been a seven and a half point line, I think, since the game was announced. I think TCU, I think it might have bumped up to minus eight towards Michigan uh, at one point, but it's back down to seven and a half. So uh, people in Vegas seem to think that seven and a half points is is right around uh, the place where this game should be. Obviously, Michigan, 13-0, Big Ten champs, taking on the 12-1 Big 12 runner-ups, TCU. I think a lot of people look at Texas Christian and think that while they are the number three seed, they really should have been the number four seed. You know, If you look at FPI rankings, they're a lot lower than the top four. If you look at the uh, matchup predictor on ESPN, Michigan is a 67 uh, percent uh, favorite, like th- so, it's two to one, essentially that they think Michigan's going to beat TCU, which is fascinating because if you look at the Ohio State Georgia matchup, which we will talk about um, in this game, uh, it's a lot closer in that it's it's fifty eight percent to forty two, essentially uh, in favor of Georgia over Ohio State. I think. And so it's it's interesting to me just the way that this looks. It, it, it feels, at least in many people's uh, – a lot of people think that TCU is not as good despite the fact that they're the three seed. I think a lot of people thought that Georgia deserved to play TCU and not Ohio State. And so – you might be surprised when I say I think this is about as advantageous of a matchup for TCU as there could be. Now, before Michigan fans, you get mad at me and start calling me an Ohio State homer, let me just 
get this out the way, I think Michigan's going to win this game. And I think Michigan, clearly, they are the Big Ten champs. They are uh, undoubtedly the dominant team in the Big Ten right now. And I I trust them certainly much more than I trust Ohio State in, in terms of performing on the big stage. Having said that, TC, the, the thing that plays into TCU's favor in this game is that Michigan doesn't have a lot of wow guys. They don't have a lot of explosive players. And without Blake Corum, it's really like Donovan Edwards is your explosive guy. Now, they've got other guys who can make make plays, right? Like Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, uh, Andrew Anthony, Anthony Schoonmaker at tight end, Loveland at tight end. They've got really good offensive line, a really good offensive line. But if, if you just look on the offense and defense, the, the, the real wow players, it's Donovan Edwards. And then I, th- I think Will Johnson has really stepped up in that, that defensive back end. But after that, like Mozzie Smith is, is good. He's really good. But he's not Aiden Hutchinson, right? And like their linebackers are good. But they're not, you know, they're, they're, it's not David Ajabo lining up on the outside, sometimes lining up on the edge and sometimes lining up as an outside linebacker as a, as a stand-up rush end. Like, it's not that. And, and even, you know, Mike Sanders still is a ball player. Like, I love that dude. He's playing some great ball. He can play anywhere. I think he's going to be an uh, NFL draft pick. He's going to make some roster much better because of him. But he's, you know, he's not like a guy that flashes and like all the time. He, he's fast and he's he's quick, but they don't have guys who are future top five picks on this team, right? Like even JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy is, I think, really good, but he's he's not a first round guy yet. Now he might he might elevate into that next year, but right now he's got he's tapping into some of his potential, but he has not reached it. You know, he has moments where you're like, wow, that's really good. But he's he's not he's not a finished product, and he's he's not as accurate as I would even say Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson Bennett has played far and away better than JJ McCarthy. Um and so because of that, TCU, their MO is to hang around, right? They, they hang around with you. So, you know, against Texas, who I think Texas is probably more talented. They, they had Bijan Ro- Robinson. They had a you know, elite prospect at quarterback in Quinn Ewers, who was not as good as I think we thought he would be. But they had really good receiver in Xavier Worthy. They have good defensive players, good defensive personnel. They recruited well. They hung around and hung around and ended up winning. Against Baylor, they hung around to win that game. Against Kansas State, they they were down by double digits and then come back and honestly, if they don't, get a little screwy in the end zone at the one yard line instead of handing off. I think they should have QB sneaked it, but 
they probably could have won that game if they just QB sneak at the goal line rather than just handing it off. This is this is the trademark of this TCU team, and they've got playmakers. They do. I mean, Quentin Johnson at receiver, really, really dynamic player. A lot of people think he might be the maybe the best receiver in this draft class. Uh, they've got a really good running back in uh, not Bijan Robinson. Oh, who is it? Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller, his first team All Big Twelve according to to PPF. Um, or sorry, not PPF to Pro, Pro Football Network. Um, you know they have obviously Max Duggan, who is a Heisman finalist. He, I think he's the runner up for the uh, for the for the Heisman, and he's played really really well. And then you look at their their line: three guys were second team All Big Twelve: Steve Avila, Alan Ali, Andrew Coker. They had another guy, honorable mention, all Big 12 in uh, Brandon Coleman. So, I mean, their offensive line, they're not elite, but they're really good. And then on on the defense, their defense is not as good, you know, but Travias Hodges Tomlinson is a stud. He's a stud uh, at, at corner. And so if you have a guy who can take away half the field – and you know they have another another corner who's uh, all Big Twelve selection as well, you know. But he's they've got guys on, you know, on the outside in the back seven that can make plays. You know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Just to give you an idea, he he was the Thorpe Award winner for the best defensive back. So I mean, this is a team that has players that can match up with Michigan, and. The way Michigan plays, the way they want to beat you, the way they want to exploit you, it's through their line play, it's through the running game, you know, maybe get some play action, maybe get J.J. McCarthy to the outside. I think Michigan is better, but I think you look at how Michigan has won football games and outside of Ohio State, well, and actually I'll talk about the Ohio State game in a minute. You look at how they've won games. It's not like they've dominated teams, you know, by a ton of points, right? They beat Maryland by a touchdown. They beat Iowa by thirteen, even though they they dominate them do, dominated them statistically. Um, Illinois, they won by two. The Ohio State game, you know, and I'll talk about my my issues with Ohio State, but. Everybody wants to talk about the final score and how how badly Michigan beat Ohio State. You have to remember, Michigan was very lucky not to be down twenty four to three before Michigan tied it up ten to ten. You know, if it weren't for drop passes and false start penalties, Ohio State's running away with that game midway through the second quarter. Instead, because Ohio State was self inflicting itself. Purdue or not Purdue, Michigan was in the game and then they took it over. And so credit, all credit in the world to Michigan for doing that. But if TCU comes in and plays disciplined ball, and I think they will because Sonny Dykes, he's a great head coach. He's 
I think this team will be disciplined. I think they'll be motivated. I think you're going to get more of, of a game like Illinois than against Ohio State. And if, if TCU can play smart football and disciplined football, I think TCU can get a couple of big plays. I think with, with Quentin Johnson, with the running game, with this offensive line, and I think Max Duggan will make plays, I would not be surprised to see TCU with the lead late in the game. Now, I say all that as a preamble to say why I'm picking. I'm picking Michigan to win, but don't assume that this is going to be easy. It will be anything but. And in fact, I, if I had to bet whether I thought there would be two Big Ten teams or no Big Ten teams in the national championship game, I would pick none over two. Because I think TCU is a, I think TCU is going to put up a really good fight, and I think Michigan is is going to have to be patient. Thankfully, Michigan excels at being patient. They don't panic, they don't flinch, and they make plays when they need to, especially in the second half. And I think with a healthier Donovan Edwards, who I think is maybe the most underrated running back in the country. And an offensive line that is nasty. I mean, these boys are nasty up front. Michigan fans, you don't need me to tell you that. I, I think ultimately the Michigan offensive line wears down TCU in a physical football game. I, I think going, I think with maybe 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter or something like that, I would not be surprised to see this game like 24 to 20. And then I think Michigan pulls ahead, maybe gets a, a field goal. To, to make it a one-point game, and then they get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and it becomes 31-24. It, some, something in that range, um, or maybe it's 24-17 and Michigan scores a couple touchdowns late. But I, I think Michigan gets a, a three- to seven-point win. That's hard fought. It's a four-quarter game. I think people will look at that and think, well, Michigan's not as good. Don't do that. Because this TCU team, they they are gamers, and this is the perfect matchup for them. Because they, while Michigan has a lot of really good players, they they don't have the elite athleticism to exploit that. But they have the physicality. And they'll out-physical them in the end. They'll wear them down. I think Donovan Edwards has a monster game. I think he has over 200 yards in this game. I think Will Johnson comes up big. Mike Sanders still comes up big in the in the last quarter of this game. And J.J. McCarthy, I think, starts maybe starts either a Heisman campaign or some sort of ascent to next year because I think this is going to be a spotlight game for him, particularly down the stretch. I think he's going to make a couple big throws, and I think he gets the Wolverines the W. I'm picking 31-24 Michigan over the Horn Frogs in a hard-fought game, and I think it they become a real uh, a real threat for the national championship. So that's that's my pick for Michigan TCU. When we come back, we'll talk about Georgia-Ohio State. 
Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We are going to be talking about the Peach Bowl, which is going to happen at 8 p.m. on Saturday of New Year's Eve. It is airing on ESPN. I believe that this uh, crew is going to be Kirk Street, Chris Fowler, Holly Rowe on the sidelines. I believe the the other one's going to be uh, Michigan TCU is going to be Sean McDonough alongside – I can't – I don't know why I always blank on his name. Um, he's one of my favorite color analysts and somehow I always – Todd Blackledge. How do how do I always forget Todd Blackledge's name? He's literally my my favorite color analyst, and I always forget his name, and I don't know why. I, I oh man, Todd Todd Blackledge. Man, I miss I, Sean McDonough's great, but I miss Blackledge with um. Now I want to say Al Michaels. Gosh, I this is this is starting just as a hot mess. Um. Brad Nessler. I, I I miss Brad Nessler with Todd Todd Blackledge. I thought it was just such a great combo. But I digress. Uh this is gonna be the uh the Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet game. Uh Georgia playing Ohio State in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. A lot of people when this game was announced thought that this was a terrible matchup for Georgia. And I'm I'm here to tell you. It's it's not that bad for Georgia. Ohio State fans, I know, and, and I'm one of them, you're looking for any and every opportunity to look at this game and think Ohio State has a good shot to win this game. You kind of want to convince yourselves. And on paper, I think it makes sense, right? So the, the line is six and a half points uh, in favor of Georgia. And it makes sense, right? Like the, the last game of the season for Georgia, they played LSU. LSU threw for 500 yards. What's what's Ohio State good at? Throwing the football, right? They're really good at throwing the football. They average 294 yards uh, a game. They have the best receiver in the country, uh, according to everyone except the Bolitnikoff, uh, which is Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, which that was a snub, and I don't care who you are. Marvin Harrison is the best receiver in college football, and it's, I don't think it's all that close, quite honestly. Um, but whatever. He's, he's phenomenal. He's a freak. He is really, really talented. Emeka Abuka is good. I don't think he's great, but he's a, he's a, he's a good receiver, that I think is still maturing. You know, Julian Fleming, if he's your number three, is good. I don't think he's great. But, you know, Ohio State has good receivers. They have one elite receiver, right? And they have good good, good offensive line. Their running backs have not been healthy all season, right? But Mayan Williams and his limited carries, 125 carries, 817 yards, 13 touchdowns, like, stats look great. They look they look great, right? And and even defensively, they've only allowed three hundred and three yards, three hundred and four yards a game. So like on paper, Ohio State, I think is the most formidable challenge to Georgia in the whole playoff. On paper, that's that's the key caveat. 
on paper. But I'm tired of talking about the potential of Ohio State. I've said a number of times on this podcast about different coaches, at some point you are who you are. And until you do something to change the narrative, you're just, you're going to keep being that. I said it with Scott Frost, right? Everybody wanted to keep saying, well, they were the best three and nine team and they were so close to winning. It's like, they're never going to win a close game because Scott Frost can't. And you know what? They fired him. And you know what? They won a close game. They hung on to beat Iowa at the end of the season. Who knew, right? Like you get rid of the head man and something changes, right? Ryan Day coaches scared in big games. He coaches tight. His teams are uncharacteristically undisciplined. And they make silly mistakes. And they get beat. And often they get beat badly. And so a lot of this analysis that I'm about to put out there is not about the players. Because I I think you look at Georgia. First of all, Georgia is phenomenal. Beginning of the season, I was like, is Stetson Bennett really that good? He's he's gone from, uh, they have Stetson freaking Bennett to, they have freaking Stetson Bennett. Like he's been really good. He has been steady. He has made big time plays with his arm and his legs. And he's doing it without the receivers that Ohio State has. Now, they, they have, you know, Lad McConkey. He's good. He's not great, but he's good. A.D. Mitchell, uh, Marcus Rosamy, uh I always forget how to pronounce his name. Um, Mar- Marcus St. Rosamy is, is, you know, they're, they're good. They've got good receivers. They're not great. They're not elite they're probably around the same caliber, honestly, as Michigan. Maybe even a little weaker. But their tight ends are are dudes, right? Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country. I know that uh, Mike Michael Mayer was the uh, first team, the unanimous first team or consensus, however you say it. He got more votes for All-American than Brock Bowers did. He's still a first teamer. But... Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country, and I don't think it's close. And Darnell Washington is a freak. He's 6'7 and runs routes like a receiver sometimes. It's scary. And it's pretty easy to throw a ball to a 6'7 guy who can jump out the gym. Right? So, like, for all the Ohio State fans who are saying, well, Georgia's offense really isn't that great, stop it. Just stop it. Just because the statistics aren't there doesn't mean they're not good. You know who has a lot of statistics? Ohio State. But they don't have the big win at the end of the season. Georgia reminds me a lot of old school Alabama teams. Teams with like A.J. McCarron at quarterback or... Um, Oh, what was his name? Uh, the, the, he quarterbacked the 2015 team, uh, Coker, Jay Coker, where it's like these guys aren't at all NFL caliber quarterbacks or maybe they're backups, but you know what? They're gamers and they utilize what they got 
And you know what? Those, those Bama teams, they didn't always have a great receiver. You know, sometimes they did. But, like, they, they have good players. But they don't have, like, all the elite players like the, the Bama teams of, of a couple years ago in LSU 2019. But they got a nasty offensive line. And then you look at their defense, man. Jalen Carter, Chris Smith at defensive end or uh, as a defensive back, Keely Ringo. They got a good kicking game. Jack uh, Jack Podlesny, really good place kicker. Uh, He's a good kickoff specialist, right? Like they've got dudes everywhere, and I mean they're deep. The, the D-line is deep, even though they don't have a ton of all-conference performers. You know, they still got they, – they still have a lot of guys. Um, so I, I look – so that, that's one thing. Georgia's really good, and I think Georgia is probably I, – I think they are the best team in the field of four by, by a lot. Like, I, I don't think it's – I think the difference between Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU is smaller than the difference between Georgia and everybody else. And so I think that's one thing. So I need to give a lot of respect to Georgia. Now, is Georgia beatable? Yes. They're not last year's Georgia team. They're, it's not last year's Georgia defense. Georgia has some knuckle has had a couple of knucklehead games, in the words of uh, the college football nerds. Um, like they they played Missouri, uh, and it was it was a knucklehead game. Uh, Kent State was weird. Kentucky was weird. You know, only winning sixteen to six, right? So they, there are games that you look at you know, you look at Georgia and you're like, what are you doing? Here's the difference though between Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia in big games has dominated people. Tennessee dominated them. I know that the final score was a two-touchdown game, but, I mean, that game was over near halftime. Tennessee couldn't do anything offensively. Oregon, it was effectively over midway through the second quarter. But like, those, those are the good, you know, ten, you know, those are your good teams. You know, LSU, I know that LSU threw for, like, 500 on them. But, I mean, that game was over at halftime. Right? Like, the, the big games that mattered, Georgia poured it on. You know who's not doing that? Ohio State. Ohio State has not put away anybody of significance like they should. Now, they've put away Rutgers. They put away Indiana. But when they've had the chance to put their foot on the throat of somebody, they have stumbled, they have staggered, they have flinched, and they have panicked. Against Notre Dame. You know, I was actually looking at the Notre Dame game earlier today. And I, I, I tried to give a lot of a, 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 lot of a pass against Notre Dame because, well, Notre Dame, it's it's a big game. It's the beginning of the season. And Notre Dame, you know, they're 8-4. and four. 
again, speaking of knucklehead games, the game against Marshall, the game against Stanford, those are knucklehead games, right? Like that, that they did not play up to their potential like they did against Clemson. So, you know, Notre Dame's a good team. But some of the stupidity of Ohio State in the beginning of the season and a lot of the explanation is, well, we lost JSN in the beginning of the year or in the beginning of that game. And so it changed our game plan, yada, yada, yada. If you're that good offensively, it should not take you until the end of the third quarter to figure out their defense. But it did. And he still only scored 21 points. Right? Against Penn State. Like, and Penn State's a really good football team. Like I think they're they I think they'll beat Utah. I, I said that in my, my earlier preview. They should have dominated that game. And instead, they almost lost it. Don't let the final score fool you. They got lucky against Penn State. Against Michigan. They they let that game slip away because they played tight, they played undisciplined, they played foolishly. The, the problem with Ohio State this year and last year, to some extent last year, last year they weren't very good defensively. They're still not great defensively, right? But the biggest issue with Ohio State is not their physicality. They keep talking about physicality. They owned the line of scrimmages in the first half against Michigan. Like, they owned it. But they, they couldn't not drop the ball. They kept committing false start penalties. Listen, against Penn State, the issue was not physicality. The issue was their running backs kept missing the hole. Right? Or they kept tripping on their own feet. Now, part of that, Travion Henderson was hurt all year. And so I, there's a part of me that's like, why didn't they shut him down if he had that bad of an injury? Um but I, I just this, – this is the thing. This, this is a an Ohio State team that if they can make a mistake, they make it. And at some point, that's not on the players. That's on the coaches. It's like what are you doing in practice that the fundamental – like these fundamentals or these missed tackles keep happening? It, it's 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 crazy, and so I you know I'm hearing a lot of the talk, you know about how they've been really ticked off in practice. You know JT Tuimoloau gave a rousing speech uh, at practice, and CJ Stroud is you know rallying the troops, and you know we we know that our goals are still in front of us. Yeah, nah, nah. like Michigan's really focused. The loss of Michigan's really focuses. We're done talking about Michigan. Yada yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We heard all that last offseason. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And at some point, you are who you are. I've heard Ryan Day talk for four years. Talk is cheap. Until I see it on the field, which he's only done once in a top five game. Not, that's not including Notre Dame because Notre Dame did not finish a top five team. Only one game in a top five team has he actually taken it to his opponent, and that was honestly an overmatched Clemson team. Now, he deserves credit for that. He murdered them, and it was glorious. But besides that, 
He blew he blew the 2019 game against Clemson when quite honestly that's the best Ohio State team I've ever seen. Like we can talk, we can blame the refs for that one all we want. We can blame the wrong route by Chris Olave all we want. You know what? That game should have been out of hand middle of the second quarter. But we settled for field goals instead of touchdowns. 2020 you can't blame him for Bama being, you know, playing in that game against Bama. But the Big Ten Championship game where they almost lost, you got a guy that ran, runs for 340 yards or 330 yards, however many yards that Trey Sermon ran for, and you only win by 12 against a, a mediocre Notre, uh, North Northwestern team? Like, seriously? Like, what are you doing? Last year, losing to a, a not great Oregon team? Getting killed by Michigan and then getting killed by Michigan again? I, I I don't know how you go into a season with your defense being that bad and thinking, oh, we're gonna win a lot of oh, we're gonna win these games. Ha like what are you doing? And so but before people are like, oh, he thinks that Ryan Day should be fired, I don't think he should be fired. I think he needs to be held accountable. Like it, it, this, this garbage. Like you have the the one of the top three most talented teams in the country, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna put up. A, well, I think they might put up over twenty points. I don't think they get out of this game without losing by at least three scores. Like there's nothing to me that I have seen on the field that Ohio State has done. That makes me think that Ohio State doesn't get blown out in this game. And so this is not an X's and O's analysis. And I and I apologize for that because I, I don't want to just go on feel. But but the reality is I think Ohio State's gonna play hard. I think they're gonna be physical. I think you're gonna see flashes of brilliance on Saturday night. And I think Georgia's going to be more consistent. I think they're going to be more disciplined. And I think in the middle of the second quarter, because Ohio State drives will stall, and Georgia's won't, at some point it'll go from being a 14-10 to 10 game, maybe with Ohio State leading, to a 24-14 to 14 lead at half. And then a 38 to 14 lead in the third quarter. Or maybe 38 17. I've, I've got this 45 to 27, Georgia. I don't think it's going to be close. I would not be surprised if the yardage is, is equal. But at the end of the day, it's not it's not a matter of Georgia being that much better than Ohio State in terms of talent. It is a matter of Georgia being a much better coached team than Ohio State. That's why that's why Ohio State keeps losing these big high profile games. They've lost to Michigan twice because Michigan has been the better coached team and the better disciplined team. Georgia is better coached, better disciplined. They, heck, they're, they're, they're even the ones that, are, that aren't doing the dumb talking, right? Jack Sawyer earlier today 
well, we think we have advantages all up, all up and down the field. Stetson Bennett asked to reply to that. He's like, yeah, I mean, they, they do have advantages. We'll just have to play football. You think Georgia actually thinks that Ohio State has a lot of advantages on them? Like, you think, no, but they, they know when to speak and when not to speak. Not that Georgia needs bulletin board material. Not that I think that that's, that's a big deal. But Georgia's been there. Georgia has that eye of the tiger. Everybody wants to talk about Ohio State being the underdog. The last time they were number four. Listen, that was eight years ago. Urban Meyer was there. He knew how to motivate. He knew how to get the best out of his players. Ryan Day, I'm not so sure. And I I like Ryan Day. I think he's a good head coach. Um, I think he's assembled a good coaching staff. I, it's But there's something off about this team and the way this team is coached. I honestly think it's a big part of it is that Ryan Day needs to give up play calling. So what do I think is going to happen? I, I think ultimately it's going to be close until the mid, middle of the second quarter. I think Georgia gets up ahead of them pretty pretty early on in the second quarter and doesn't relinquish the lead. And it, it it's a blowout. Um, and so that's that's how I see this this game breaking down. I don't think Ohio State ultimately will be able to stop the run throughout the throughout the game. I think Brock Bowers will play well. I think A.D. Mitchell, if he plays, is an X factor for Georgia. I think he will burn honestly a pretty weak secondary. Um, so I. This has been a longer preview, but I'll just say this. The pathway for Ohio State to win in this game, they have to play disciplined and smart, and they have to take advantage of their opportunities in the red zone. Right? And C.J. Stroud has to play steady. A lot of people are saying C.J. Stroud has to run. I don't know if that... The the whole C.J. Stroud running thing... To me, it's a non-starter. It's it's not about that. It's can the people around him make plays when they need to? Can Cade Stover catch a pass when it hits him in the hands, even when the, when somebody's trying to take the ball away from him? I mean, that, that's twice against Michigan. Can the offensive tackles not be stupid and not false start? You know, can the running backs hit holes? Instead of trying to take everything wide, that's that's we're talking fundamentals. If Ohio State can do that and be steady, then they do have a shot to win this game. If they if the play calling's unpredictable, then they do have a shot to win this game. And this is a bad matchup for Georgia out of the other of the other teams they could have played in the playoff. Not bad is relative. I don't I don't think that it's. I think George is well-equipped to handle this team. But I think if you are undisciplined and choppy, you will get you will get killed. That's why I think Michigan has a much better shot against Georgia than Ohio State does. Because while I think Georgia is a better version of Michigan, Michigan won't shoot itself in the foot like Ohio State will. And so ultimately, I, I think Michigan, or I think Georgia... If Georgia and Michigan meet in the championship game, I think it's probably a closer game. I still think Georgia will win. Spoiler alert. 
That being said, I've got Georgia 45, Ohio State 27. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I Honestly, looking at all the bowl games, if I were to bet one, and I'm not, I, I wouldn't, I'm not a betting man, but this is, this is the game I'm most confident. Out of every bowl game, I, I, I would bet the house on Georgia winning by six and a half. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be close. So that's it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Uh, sorry to be a, a downer for at least Ohio State fans, but Michigan fans, I think you, you'll be rejoicing Saturday night for multiple reasons. Um, rejoicing in your victory and, our, and Ohio State's misery. So uh, that'll do it. I'll definitely have a recap video um, and then a, a national championship preview as well as a recap of all the bowls uh, in the following days to come. This is Zach Guggenheim for the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast, signing off. Take care. God bless. Happy New Year.